So again, we want to say good morning to you guys, and I just want to introduce to you my, one of my friends in the ministry now. I just really got to be around him a little bit last year, but my spirit just kind of uh, latched on to his spirit a little bit, if you, if you would, during the prayer rally. Y'all remember the prayer rally we had? Raise your hand if you do. And uh, we met down at Heartland and met with Brother Don and, and Pastor Ray and Brady and myself. And, and uh, I've just seen God work just from a distance in Pastor Ray's life. He's been the pastor of Washington Street Baptist Church in Paducah, Kentucky for 25 years right at it. They're get, getting ready to have a big celebration. Listen, that's quite a feat nowadays in today's society, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. Pastor in a church for 25 years, it's a very honorable thing. Uh, I, I'm going to get out of the way. I want you guys to give a great, big, huge, his house welcome to Pastor Ray Henderson from Paducah, Kentucky. Would you do that? Come on. Come on, Pastor Ray. Appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you so much. I want you to know that it is indeed a joy and a blessed delight to have this opportunity to share with you from the Word of God and to be a part of what God is doing here at His House Ministries. Uh, it's indeed a joy and a blessed delight to have had the opportunity to meet with your pastor and to work with him. And thank you so much for inviting me today. Uh, I want you to know that uh, Mama said that folk don't have to always be nice, and if they are nice, they don't always have to be nice to you. Amen. Amen. I'm kind of sitting down because I've, I have been in a cast and, or a boot for the last nine months, and uh, uh, does, it come, does it come up? Yeah. Uh, I was walking in Paducah, walking down the street. I ran for a city commissioner. I didn't uh, win. This lost by maybe about four or five hundred votes, but uh, nevertheless, thank you. I uh, did, didn't win, <laughs> but I was walking and stumbled and tore some uh, fractured, some bones and stuff in my foot. And so I've been in a cast and in a boot for about nine months, and this is the second month that I have been in two shoes. And uh, I have only preached standing up once uh, since that time and probably should not have done it then. But you didn't come to hear about me. You came to see if there was a word from the Lord. Amen. And, and I have come to let you know that there is a word from God for all of us here today. I'm glad to have two of my brothers from Washington Street Church, Brother Brad Holland, and Brother Melvin Brannigan sharing with me today. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, and I trust that you do, whatever you may have your Bibles on, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5, and we want to hang out around verses 3 through 5. And I am reading from the King James Version, and if you'll look on the screen, you'll see it from the... Uh, message translation. In Luke chapter number 5, beginning with verse 3, you will find these words. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him 
that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a draught. And Simon answering unto him said, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. I want to use as a subject just for a few moments today, the next time is going to be better. The next time is going to be better. Father in heaven, we thank you now for how the Holy Spirit has already ministered in this place. And we thank you, Lord God, for how he is going to minister even in the minutes ahead. Holy Spirit, we want you to know that you're welcome in this place. Say to us what you need to say. Do to us what you need to do to us. Show us how to apply this word to our everyday living. Father, we love you and we honor you. I let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord. You are my strength and you are my redeemer. Amen. Amen. I don't think I have to give you any rules. If I'm saying something that you can identify with, I work off a preach, Reverend. Put your weight on it. Stay right there. Amen. But if you sit there and just kind of look at me wise and otherwise, you're suggesting to me that I'm not effectively articulating the word of God and therefore need to spend some more time making it plain. So if you walk, so I think you got it. If you walk with me, we'll be out of here quick. If you sit there and look at me, we'll be here for the next service, all right? The next time is going to be better. Friends, I have good news and I have some bad news. The good news is that all of us have God-given plans. All of us have God-given potential. All of us have God-given possibilities. But here's the bad news. The bad news is that more than half of us will never reach our full potential. We're fearful of what that full potential may mean. And so therefore, by accident, you and I have slipped into this average life. Or if we have not slipped into this average life, the reality is, is that we are living for right now. Instant gratif we are in an instant gratification society. Most of us, if not all of us, has an J.G. Wentworth mentality. It's my money, and I want it when? Right now. And this is what this instant gratification is. The desire to experience pleasure or fulfillment without delay or deferment. Basically, it's when you want it, and you want it right now. And instant gratification is the opposite of what so many of us have been taught to practice, and that's delayed gratification. In other words, can I say it like this? You and I want maximum for minimum. You, you and I want it all, but we're not willing to give all. We want a harvest, but... We don't want to plant anything. We want a 3,000 square foot home, but we want to still have rent payments. We want a degree, but we don't want to apply for admittance. 
and we want more of God without giving him more of ourselves. And if by chance we fail in an endeavor, it must not have been from God. And we ain't going to ever try that thing again. But today's message, my brothers and sisters, is a message of challenge to live out the old adage that says, if you don't succeed, try and try again. It's a message to take, up, take on the idea and to take on the mentality that the next time is going to be better. It did not work this time, but the next time is going to work. I, I did not succeed this time, but, but the next time I will. I failed the test last time, but this time I'm going to pass the test. Come on. I've even made some mistakes last time. But the next time, I'm not going to make the make same mistakes because I understand that the next time is going to be better. And the reality is, is that insanity says, I want something different, but I keep doing the same stuff. And so I wonder today if there's anybody in the house who has decided that you want something better, you want something different, you want something more than you've ever had before, but you understand if you are going to get from God what you need to get from God, you need to give God what you've never given him before. Oh, come on, walk with me today. If you want to experience God's power like you've never experienced God's power, you've got to make his house a house of praise. You've got to make his house a house of prayer. Every now and then, brothers and sisters, you've got to stop for 30 seconds and give God some crazy praise because you know that the next time is going to be better than this time. As a matter of fact, if you're not too mean, why don't you take about 30 seconds and give God some praise in this house? Because you're determined that the next Next time is going to be better. Hallelujah. Look at the text for a moment. This is a text that is considered to be a supernatural text because what happens in this text cannot be explained other than God made it possible. And you do know that there are some things that happen in your life. And the only explanation is what grandmas used to say, nobody but the Lord. You, you understand that if you come out of some stuff, it's going to only be because God brought you out. If you survive some things, it's only going to be because of God's grace and his mercy. And there's some things that you cannot explain other than God worked that thing out. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. Here is a story today of a miraculous catch of fish. Simon, Simon was more than just a brother who decided to go fishing one day. Simon was an experienced fisherman. He and others had experienced a full night of fishing, but caught nothing. And nothing can be more frustrating, nothing can be more disgusting and exhausting than to spend time at a thing and it doesn't produce results. I just said something, you missed it. I, I think I need to rewind it. Nothing. 
can be more frustrating than to work at a thing and it doesn't produce any results. I wonder if I have some transparent people in the house who are not afraid to admit that you have tried a whole lot of stuff. You put a whole lot of time and a whole lot of energy into some stuff and it hadn't yet worked out. How many folk are willing to be transparent down here in Mayfield at his house ministries and go ahead and admit you put a whole lot of time and energy and prayer into your marriage but it hadn't yet worked out? How many folk are willing to admit that you put a whole lot of time and energy and resources in that relationship but it has not yet worked the way God showed you that it would work? But you're still here. You're still trying. You're still working. You're still pushing. You're still trying to make it work because you're determined in your heart that the next time it's got to be better. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on trudging. I'm going to keep on pressing because I believe what God showed me. Y'all missing me. And what God showed me is not yet what it looks like. How God showed me it would work out is not yet how God coming to fruition. But I'm staying here and I'm praying here and I'm working here because I believe what God showed me. And the next time, oh, it's going to be better. So when we look at our text this morning, our text opens up with a frustrated, a tired and a quite possibly angry Simon. The Bible says that he was Washing his nets. He is perhaps done for the day. Perhaps he would go back later on that day. Or maybe he would go back later on that evening. But he had not planned to go back to that thing that day. Or that time. The first thing that you will... Make sure that the next time, the first thing rather, to make sure that the next time will be better, it's not profound, is a simple act of obedience. You see, when we look at the text, after Simon received his instructions from Jesus, he did not ask for specifics. He did not ask for details. He did not ask Jesus how he was going to secure the fish. He did say, Master, now we've been out here all night. Master, now, we've been at this for a while. But nevertheless, if you say so, we will. At this point, Simon was a good candidate for receiving better than the last time because he was willing to obey. And many of us will not receive our better because we're too busy telling God why we came. Many of us won't receive our better because we're too busy trying to tell God why we won't. We're often too concerned with what others will say or what others will not say. We're too concerned about if others will agree with us or others will disagree. You and I, hear me now, must let go of the familiar. 
You and I will never be all that God will want us to be. You and I will never experience all that God desires us to be holding on to what we know and what we can see and what we can figure out. My Bible tells me, the one that I read, says now faith is the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen. The Ray Henderson translation says you ain't seen no possibility of it working or it happening but if God told you you're going on anyhow so Simon says master we've been out here all night long but nevertheless if you tell us to we will obedience says I'm going to line up with what God's word says obedience says I'm going to do whatever uh, God says do even if I can't figure it out obedience says I'm going whether I understand it or not and so friend you and I must be willing to go where we have never gone before and as our text would say we have to be willing to do what we have never done before check this in order for the next time to be better you and I have to be willing to go to the place where we failed in order to succeed it's right here in the text actually Simon tried again because he did fail notice again Simon's words at your word I will let down my net in other words because you said it master I'll do it and you know what I've discovered pastor when we do stuff that can't nobody else see, nobody else understands, nobody else knows how it's gonna work out. Sometimes as pastors, all we know is that God told us. Sometimes as leaders, all we know is that God told us to do it and everybody else is looking at us like we crazy. And I can only imagine that, 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 that others who would pass by, who would see these fishermen still working, would say, didn't they get enough yesterday? Yeah. Come on. They didn't catch anything yesterday. What makes them think they're going to catch something now? But sometimes in order to get what God has for us, we have to be willing to go back to the place where we failed. Someone has suggested that it is a worthless man who can only labor as long as he succeeds, fight as long as he conquers, and run as long as he can win the race. It says that such a fair weather soul is not fit for any kingdom, at least not for the kingdom of God. Lord, deliver me from people who cannot serve or work unless everything is all Gucci. I know you don't have that problem at his house. But at my house, at Washington Street Church, there are some folks sometimes who can't serve unless everything is always in order unless they can figure it out, unless they can know what's around the corner, unless they can add one plus one and make it equal two, they ain't doing it. 
But every now and then, God wants to take us somewhere. Every now and then, God wants to do with us what we've never allowed him to do before. And when we are working and walking with God, one plus one don't always equal two. Sometimes when you are working with God and giving God the opportunity to move in your life like you've never given them opportunity before, everybody's going to call you crazy. It don't make sense even to you, but nevertheless, God told you. And because God told you, you don't have any other option but to go forward. Can I tell you something? I've learned that a part of succeeding is failing. Yeah. Can I call a roll real quick? Are you familiar with a brother by the name of Milton S. Hershey? He went bankrupt two times before he was 30. And here we are in 2018 eating almond joys, mounds, New York peppermint patties, payday Kit Kat, for those who were born in the 20s or the 30s, Crackle, the whatchamacallit, the Heath Bar, Fifth Avenue Bar, the Zero Bar, and today uh, they have a total access, assets of $629 billion. Y'all are feeling me. Y'all still don't believe me. Have you ever heard of a brother by the name of Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan succeeded because he failed. As talented as Michael Jordan was growing up, he wasn't thought of as being the best basketball player you could find. Actually, in my research, coaches said they had trouble looking past his height, which did not match the minimum they usually required. But it didn't stop Michael from playing. He made it him push even harder. A moment of failure in the life of Michael Jordan gave him another reason to succeed. And today, Michael Jordan is worth $1.14 billion. Y'all still don't believe me? Walt Disney had at least 10 setbacks that brought about some financial nightmares that left him millions of dollars in debt. Do you know that Walt Disney was forced to dissolve his first animation company in Kansas City in 1921? He wasn't even able to pay his rent, and he was forced to survive by eating dog food. Today, his net worth, the net worth of market capitalization of Disney Company has been estimated at $103.96 billion. Thomas Edison's teachers told him he was too stupid to learn anything. And there are over a thousand patents attributed to Thomas Edison. Oprah Winfrey was fired from her first television job as an anchor in Baltimore. And now she is the undisputed queen of television worth $2.9 million. Do you not know that Colonel Sanders was fired from dozens of jobs for founding a successful resident, a restaurant? And today there's a KFC in more than 18,000 locations. What did these people have in common? You got it. They were willing to try in the midst of their failures. And in their failures, they were not afraid to take risks. Ah, there it is. 
They were not afraid to take risks. In the body of Christ, we don't ever experience all that God has for us because we're too afraid to take a risk. Risk are often viewed as something negative. Risk are often viewed as dangerous and in many cases unwise. Some risks don't pay off. But then I've learned some do. What did Simon have to lose in trying again? He didn't have anything to lose. He had much to gain. Question this morning, my friends, what do you have to lose to try again? That business, that relationship, that marriage, the church. What do you have to lose to try it again, to take it one more time, to take a risk? As a matter of fact, when we really think about it, there's nothing profound what I'm getting ready to say. As a matter of fact... Simon would have been successful if the second time he didn't do anything but catch one fish. Because the Bible says that at that time he didn't catch anything. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get whatever you need? The question, my friends, is how bad do you want it? The question is how bad do you want to get into the presence of God to get what God says he has for you? All you have to do is pursue it. And how do you pursue it? You put one foot in front of the other and begin your journey. Finally, my brothers and sisters, you'll never get anywhere accomplish anything or receive anything new playing it safe. Can I tell you something as I close? You've been playing it safe for too long. I don't know who I'm talking to, but God told me to tell somebody, push a little bit from the shore. God told me you've been walking on the shore too long. God said you've been praying the same prayers for too long. God said you've been waiting on him for too long and he wants you to know he's waiting on you. God told me to tell someone this morning that it is your turn. You've been watching other folks succeed. You've been watching other people get things and do things. As a matter of fact, you've been even resentful of what other people have and it didn't come your way because you think perhaps you're smarter. Perhaps you've got a little a degree and you ought to be doing a little bit more. But God says the reason why they got what you don't have is simply because you don't know what they were do doing to get what they got. And if you want to get what they got, are you willing to do what they had to do to get what they got? And some folk have been able to move forward in the spiritual realm because they don't mind spending hours on their face before God. They don't mind fasting and praying before God. They don't mind giving their time and their energy before God. But God sent me here today to tell one somebody that it is your turn. I'm reminded of a story of a young fella who went to the symphony orchestra with his father. He had never been to the orchestra before. He didn't know what was supposed to happen and they were sitting there 
and everything was going along. The flutes were playing, the clarinets were playing, the drums were playing. Everybody was playing, except this one fella in the corner with cymbals in his hand. And so the little, little fellow was asking that, why, why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? He, matter of fact, he had a little rowdy. As a matter of fact, he got a little rambunctious. And the usher came down and he said, sir, is there a problem? He said, no, everything is cool. Everything is Gucci. He says, my son has never been to an orchestra before. And he just doesn't understand why the man with the cymbals in his hand is not playing. And the, and the usher said, he will soon. He said, watch him. He's going to be watching the conductor. And when the conductor tells him, then he will play. And then the orchestra went on, went on a little bit, bit longer, and all of a sudden the conductor pointed to the man with the cymbals in his hand, and the little boy jumped up and said, play! Play! It's your turn! And all I'm trying to tell you as I get ready to take my seat, God said it's your turn. If you keep your eye on the conductor, the conductor will give you the cue. And when the conductor points to you, all you've got to be ready to do is play! Maybe there's someone here today. You've just been sitting on the sidelines, playing it safe, only moving when you can figure it out, only, only progressing when you can put every dot on every t I and cross every T. Maybe you've just been kind of hanging. But today you've realized that you've got more on the inside of you than you realize. And God has just been taking you through some stuff, some bouts with failure, just to get you to realize that you got it. Just to get you to take your eyes off of what you have not yet accomplished and focus in on what you have. If you're here today and you need to just pray or you just need someone to pray with you because you want tomorrow to be better than today, we want to ask you to come. Maybe you're here today and you have never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Can I tell you that nothing is going to matter if Christ is not the center? And the Bible says that all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you can believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you can be saved. If you can believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, you can be saved today. If you don't know Christ, I am sure there will be some people here who can help you meet Christ. If you're just here and you perhaps want to be a part of the His House Ministries, it's been noise in the community about this great church and this great pastor and the impact that you're making on this community and you just want to be a part of what God is doing. 
Someone said, whatever you're doing in this season, God, don't do it without me. And you want to be a part of it. We invite you to come today. With everyone standing, whatever kinds of decisions you need to make today, we just want you to come. Amen.